Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning, church. We praise God for all that he has done. I'm reminded this morning that it is uh, by grace that we have been saved, and it is that uh, it is his grace that sustains us. Uh, that sends us out on mission for the glory of his name. And I'm so grateful this morning to uh, just gather and worship uh, as his people, uh, to lift high his name. And if you're a guest with us, we uh, are so so grateful that you're here. You'll see some uh, connect cards that are in the back of some of the seats uh, along the way. We'd love to uh, just have you fill one of those out and turn that in and just uh, give that to one of our host team as you, uh, as you exit today, and uh, they'll have a gift for you, but also just love to uh, know how we could be praying for you and uh, just be an encouragement to you uh, on the journey. We are uh, walking through uh, Romans chapter 12 in a series uh, called Therefore, and uh, really the song that we just sung and really the whole worship set uh, that we've had today reminds us of the reason Uh, For that, therefore, when we see that, therefore, at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, uh, we are reminded of of, uh, Romans chapter 1 through 11, where we have uh, just seen an incredible picture of all that God has done. And in light of his mercy, motivated by his mercy, we present our bodies as living sacrifices. We uh, live surrendered and sold out uh, for the glory of his name. And so this morning, uh, we're going to continue Uh, In Romans chapter 12, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 3 through 5, and uh, we'll read all uh, of those together here in just a moment. But I want to just encourage you this morning that what we're going to do today is really, uh, hopefully, kind of look within a little bit. We're going to take a moment and uh, and look at at ourselves in light of all that God's done. Uh, we want to we kind of have a moment where, and maybe there's been a moment for you where you've walked into a, a, a mall and you've been trying to find a specific store and all of a sudden you've uh, found this little marquee and you've looked and all of a sudden you've seen this spot and it says, you are here. Well, we hope that this morning might be a moment where we would be reminded of where we are and what God is doing in our lives. I want to uh, share a little illustration. I've got... Um, a little band I brought with me this morning. I, some of you may have, have used one of these before. Uh, I've, I've got myself one of these after a few weeks of physical therapy. And, uh, you know, it, it was one of those moments where this past summer we were going out uh, as a family to celebrate my daughter's birthday. And one of the things she wanted to do, Hope said, hey, we want to go uh, to this water park. And many of you may have, has anybody been on a hydro flow before? Know what that is? Yeah, a few of you. Um, well, if you're over 40, I'm not even recommending it. So I just want you to, <laughs> just want to make, kind of make that known. Well, well as uh, good dads are, you know, we're going down the slides, we're having fun. And we get to this hydro flow, which is this, this uh, awesome uh, place that we can have incredible fun that day. And I'm watching a few other dads. And, uh, you know, the, the scripture talks about pride coming right before. Yeah, well, that, that's, uh, that's pretty accurate, right? And, and so I'm looking at the other dads. And when I'm looking at them, there's a, there's a little part of me that's going, you know, I think I can probably do a little better than those dads, right? And, and when you're my size and you're bald and you're a little older, when you, when you decide to go on a, a ride like this or do something like that, there's a group of people that are going, we don't want to miss this. Like, hey, everybody, look, right? And so, 
and so there's those kind of moments along the way. Well, well you know, thankfully, there wasn't really one that was as visible uh, as far as the, the moment, but it was one of those moments that kept me from enjoying uh, the obstacle course races with our kids at VBS. There was a great uh, spike ball game that ended up at our, our pig picking, and I was looking at it going, man, I want to play, and I could barely move this shoulder. And so I'm, I didn't say too much about it, one, because I was just a little embarrassed at how I got there, right? But, but here's a little video. This is uh, the Hydro Flow, and uh, you'll, you'll see... noticed on the third push-up there, that was enough for me, and, and, I, and I thought like later, you know, and, and my wife reminds me, like, do you know how old you are, and, she'll, and, and you probably like, before you do push-ups on the hydroflow, you should probably be doing those regular anyway, right, like, I mean, it's just good advice, well, on the third one, I had seen the, the guy that was like teaching everybody what to do, and the kids, he was like, when you get to this level, if you can turn it and do push-ups, you're like doing really good, so I'm thinking, if I can turn it and do push-ups, I'm doing really good, well, on the third one, something uh, went a little crazy in my shoulder, and I guess like when you're doing push-ups and the water's going like that, it's probably not good for you, and so after about a month, right, and, and I was reminded in all these moments, right, that a, a little self-assessment uh, before this would have kept me out of a whole lot of trouble, and so I ended up uh, at a little physical therapy, and I got to learn how to use these bands to strengthen. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, later about that, but there was this reality check, right, in my life that, that has helped me kind of see things a little differently, and so this morning, uh, I want to ask you this question, where are you in light of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, specifically verse 3, uh, we're going to lean in there along the way. But if you'll stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to jump uh, right in. And the Scripture says this, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. And God, when we read the word, therefore, God, we're reminded of your mercy and grace. God, we're reminded of all that has been accomplished through the cross. Lord, a, a sinner's death in my place. And in light of your mercy, God, not giving me what I deserved, God, we respond, Lord, in surrender. We respond, Lord, with gratitude on our lips, Lord, with praise uh, out of our hearts, God, because we are unworthy, God. We didn't deserve your grace, but you have extended it to us. And therefore, God, you have placed us together in a body of believers, Lord, that you've 
called us out from this world. And Lord, you've assembled us together for the glory of your name. And Lord, I pray that you would help us see ourselves correctly in light of all that you've done and all that you want to do through your people. And Lord, we pray, God, that if there's someone here this morning that has never trusted in you for salvation, Lord, that the convicting power of your Holy Spirit, God, might uh, allow them to see their need for a Savior. And God, that they might repent of their sins and trust you as Lord this day. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. And so verse 1 and 2, right, we see this call. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, right, in light of God's mercy, that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. It begins with surrender. And last week, uh, we were reminded that it continues uh, in this, uh, this call that we have to uh, not be conformed. So there's this negative command, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, this, this reality that the enemy uh, through the world system that we live in and, and that there's an enemy that is trying to squeeze us into his mold to uh, cause us to look like this world, to allow Hollywood and to allow uh, media and all these other things to shape our view uh, of how we live. And he says, don't be conformed uh, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And what we understand is that this transforming work of God, that it is a work that God is doing in us. It is the, the word transformed is, is passive in this place where we understand that there is nothing we can do to transform ourselves, but we can abide in Christ. We can uh, trust in, in his word and we can uh, submit ourselves and be in a place where God uh, is doing a work in us. Now, we looked at this picture of this uh, caterpillar that is being transformed into a butterfly. And we said, hey, we all want the butterfly. We all want to be who God has uniquely created us to be. Uh, many of you uh, this morning as you came in may have received a little puzzle piece. And, uh, you know, as you, as you hold on to that, there's some uh, uniqueness in every one of those. There's, uh, there's a reality that some of us, we come in to worship today and we think, you know what? The part that I play uh, is not very much. There, there's some of you that might come in and say, you know, God uh, really couldn't use somebody like me. And I want to tell you, that's a lie of the enemy. And, and there's this, uh, this call that God has for every one of his people. See, he's given us a, a mission and, he, and he's created a church for the mission where we would go and make disciples. And this is not something that is just for uh, the professionals. This is not something that is just for Sunday school teachers and leaders, but it is for every one of us. And when, we, uh, when we've bought into this lie of the enemy that we uh, could not be used for good in the midst and, and we, uh, we, we recognize that there needs to be a transformation in the way that we think, a renewing of our mind that would allow us to be used for his glory. And so we said some practical steps right at the end of last week. We said we want to embrace the cocoon because in between this caterpillar and this butterfly, there's a cocoon. And in that cocoon, there's a transforming work that's taking place. And what we understand is that while we may want to press a button and all of a sudden be a butterfly, we understand uh, that God does as he chooses. Right? And we see that God can do a work in us and there's moments, there's transforming moments in our lives. Uh, these defining moments where there's a, a new level of surrender, where there's a, a time that God does an incredible work. But what we understand is that God primarily uh, takes his word, right? And, and in the Holy Spirit, God, God uses the Holy Spirit 
uh, to take his word and to use it to transform our lives and to day to day conform us to look more and more like Jesus. And this transformation, it, it's harder for us to see from day to day. But as we look back over time, as we look at years of our life, we can see God's hand has been at work in this powerful transforming process. So we embrace the cocoon. We expel the corruption, right? We recognize the evil, the things that are, uh, are coming at us. Uh, in, a, in a youth sermon I, I shared uh, years back on this passage, I said these words that we, uh, that we recognize the lie, right? We see what the enemy's doing. We replace it with the truth, the word of God, and we repeat the process over and over again. And God works in our lives in incredible ways. So we embrace the cocoon. We expel the corruption. We enjoy the creator. We enjoy our great God. And, and we, uh, we walk in his will. We said his will, uh, that, that when we do those things, right, that we can prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. What is the will of God? And we said, hey, the will of God's pretty simple, right? And, and we can know uh, that the will of God is for us to grow in, into the likeness of his son, that, that we would be conformed to his image, that we would uh, be sanctified, that, that our lives would, uh, would be changed from day to day, from week to week to look more like him. And so in verse 3, we see this beginning of this humble community that God desires for us to walk in. I want to look at verse 4 and 5 uh, first, and then we're going to lean back into verse 3. But verse 4 and 5, the Scripture says, Just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, when we think about this little puzzle piece that you got, we uh, can be reminded today that we are all part of the body of Christ. There, there, there's something beautiful that happens as God's church and, and this body of believers that Christ calls together. It's a beautiful display of unity amidst diversity, right? All these puzzle pieces, they look different. All of them are gifted different. And what we're going to see from the Apostle Paul is that we need to have a right view of ourselves in light of these gifts, in light of the way that God has wired us, in light of our strengths and our weaknesses in light of all those things because all that we have is a gift of his grace. And he's given us uh, a body who is, who is different, right? That we, we look around, right? The scripture says that we who are many, right? Look around. We are different, right? Some of us have hair. Some of us have perfect heads and don't need it. Like, amen from the bald-headed guys in the room, right? Like, like this is what it was like before the fall for the rest of y'all. This is what you could... But listen, we're all different, and, and here's the thing, and I'm just kidding, kids. It probably wasn't like that, but anyway, and so, so we're all different, right? But, but, but God has called us together, and so there's this beautiful display. Next week, I'll show you what this puzzle uh, looks like when it's put together, but there's this beautiful display of unity amidst diversity, and there's a purpose that's behind that, right? We, we recognize that God has created us for relationships, that we, uh, when we suffer, right, when we think about the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12 would tell us that when one part suffers, right, when my shoulder was hurting, like all me suffered, right, my, I, and my feet were glad to take me to physical therapy to get a little better. My, my mind was glad to say, hey, I need to put that on my calendar, right? I understand that those things are there. And so when one part suffers, we all suffer. When one part uh, rejoices, we rejoice because we are part of a family together. And so congratulations, right, if you are in Christ, right, you are part of a family, and God has created us. Uh, he's created us for relationships. We've, uh, we've seen in uh, this faith family since about April, we've seen there 40 people take their uh, next step of obedience in believer's baptism. Uh, we've seen many people come to faith in Christ, and, and it's just been an incredible journey. But, but God, I believe with all my heart, continues to assemble 
a body of believers, an army of believers with purpose. And what, what would it look like if every person in this room said, you know what, I understand that God has created me for a purpose and that God can use me and my gifts and my strengths and my weaknesses in, in, in the context of where he has placed me, in the context of the relationships and the world that I live in, in those places that he could use me to be a, a part of the kingdom work that he is doing. See, this gospel community, the church, it was created by Jesus. It was created for Jesus. And it was created to be on the mission of Jesus. And when we understand that, you know, we look around sometimes and we look around at the world we live in. And if we're honest, if we're just given like a, just a, a reality of assessment, we would look and, and many people would say, you know, the church, like the American church, we might say, hey, they're, they're struggling a little bit. Like it seems like it seems like when we look around that the adversary is, is on the advance. And it seems like more and more people are, are kind of going their own way, right? And if we look at that, that scoreboard, right? And sometimes a scoreboard, we'll see a scoreboard and it'll give us some information about uh, kind of the game that we're in. It'll tell us what quarter it's in. And, and I believe with all my heart, right, that we are in the fourth quarter. And, and, a, and, a, and a scoreboard gives us a reality. It tells us kind of where we're at, what the score is, and... and Man, I'm so glad to know that we're fighting a battle that's already been won. And, and I'm so glad to know that, that the church is an unstoppable force in this world. That, that, that what we would understand when Jesus uh, would, would uh, speak to his, his disciples and he would ask them, he said, who does the world say that I am? Right? In Matthew 16, we looked at this verse earlier this year. He said, who would the world say that I am? And they would list all these different things. But then Jesus looked and said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, you are correct. And he says, and upon this confession, upon this rock, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And we are an unstoppable force in the midst of this world. But here's the thing. While we have been supposed to be on the offense and we've been supposed to be a people who gather and are equipped to be sent out on mission for the glory of Christ, we, we have found ourselves in a place where individually we feel like we don't have purpose. And individually we've been content to come and to gather and, and to, to spend some time together on a Sunday morning and, and then to uh, not allow that to affect our lives for the remainder of the week and not allow that to be a place where we're propelled on mission for the glory of Christ. I want to read a quote that has been a favorite of mine. Uh, I'm going to read this. It says, while Jesus' church plays on offense, the modern church of the last 60 years in America has primarily played defense. Our enemy is formidable and deceptive. One of Satan's primary strategies is to get Jesus' church off the offensive, a job he has unfortunately done quite effectively. In shifting to a defensive position, we've pulled up the drawbridge, isolating ourselves in a holy huddle, ever fearful of flaming arrows, Within such Sunday morning conclaves, we sit in circles, teaching one another, studying God's word, but not acting upon it. Leaving the church building, we wrap ourselves in the rags of comfortable, complacent, non-confrontational camouflage so that we may blend in at work on Monday. That's a quote by Dr. Chris Moody, and I've shared it with you before, but when I think about the call that God has for his church, it looked nothing like that. He has called us to be a people on mission. Fact is, the church was made for mission. Before Jesus 
ascended into heaven, he left his disciples with a mission. He said that we were to go into all the world, right, and that we were to make disciples. He didn't say uh, simply that we were to make converts, but that we were to make disciples, that we were to be a people who were on mission. He said in Acts 1.8, he said, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. He said, this is who you are as my church. Now, I want to remind you, when we look at these guys that are gathered in those moments. When we look at the disciples that Jesus would have spoke these words to, these are people that we would not have picked. We we wouldn't have picked these people. These are people, these are ordinary fishermen, they're tax collectors, they're people who, who we would not have assembled these people. They're just ordinary people. And I want to tell you, that's such good news this morning when you look around this room. The fact that I stand in front of you and proclaim the word of God is a reminder that God just takes ordinary people. But I want to tell you something. God will take a bunch of nobodies and he'll fill them with somebody and he'll use them, right, to change this world for the glory of his name. He'll, he'll use them, right? And he doesn't need your ability. You're saying, hey, my puzzle piece. And by the way, the one they gave me is just a little black spot, right? And, and what we understand is that God doesn't need our abilities. He needs our availability. He needs our surrender. What, and technically, God doesn't need anything, right? But he, but he chooses, right, for us to be the hands and feet of God. And for him to use you, what he requires is just a humble spirit, that, that we would come before him with available hearts, with, with an available life, right? These, these disciples, now they had been in the presence of Jesus. Uh, they, they were uneducated men. They were people, though, that had seen Jesus model what it looked like to do life with one another, what it looked like to breathe into a few, what it looked like to follow uh, uh, his plan in making disciples. And never, never has there been a more unqualified group of people given a greater mission, right? Never has there been. But Peter preaches his first sermon, right? We see this first sermon in Acts chapter 2. And wow, man, God does an incredible work. And there are 3,000 that are saved in those moments. Verse 41 uh, of that chapter. If you want to turn uh, to Acts 2, we're going to read just the, just maybe verse 41 and verse 42. But we see this incredible moment, but it's so important for us to see what God is doing and how he works in his church, right? It says that, that those who had received his word, and so Peter preaches this message. He shares the good news of the gospel. And the scripture says those who received his word, that they were baptized. The scripture says that that they were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Think about it, right? This is an incredible moment. I would love to have been there. 3,000 new babies born right there on Pentecost, right? 3,000 all at one time. Like, like, yeah, baptizing them would have been a job in itself, but much less to make disciples and to see them uh, grow in, in who uh, Christ is. 3,000 untrained, untaught babies born in those moments. They didn't even have a starting point set up the next week to tell them how to get plugged in. Right? They, they didn't have any of those things. That's where they were at. But, but here's the thing, right? In verse 41, we see three things. They received his word. Right? That they heard the good news of the gospel. They received his word. They believed and responded in repentance. We can see that in verse 38. Uh, we would see uh, that they repented and believed the gospel, right? That they were baptized. So they received his word. They were baptized. They identified publicly as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and I just want to tell you, if you uh, have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and have never uh, been baptized as a believer, uh, then that is your next step. This morning we're talking about what is our next step. That is your next 
step, right? We, sometimes we don't have to wonder, like, what's my next step? Well, it is to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord through believer's baptism because that's what we see in the Scriptures, right? So they received his word, they were baptized, and then this next statement is incredible. They were added. Y'all should be, like, excited, right? They were added. Now, here's what's cool. Right? They were added. And, and what's neat about that, it's kind of like this transformation. It's passive. So what it says was not that Peter and the apostles added them to the church. I want you to understand, they repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and they were added. They became us, right? And it, it, God was doing the adding in a single day, right? Verse 42, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were. He didn't differentiate. He didn't say... Well, the new guys, they began to go to the new believers class and they began to hang out and they, and they, they went and they listened to the apostles because, I mean, like the rest of us, we'd hung out with Jesus. We didn't really like need all that. But the new guys, no, no, no. It doesn't say that, right? It says they, us, one body, one group, no difference between the old and the new. This is who they were, followers of Jesus Christ, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Later in this passage, we would see that they were gathering in large groups, that they were also gathering from home to home. They were gathering in small groups. And, and the call, right, was not simply to make converts. The, the game wasn't over. The fourth quarter, didn't, all of a sudden, the clock didn't run down as soon as they placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But they were added to the team, right? They were added on mission for the glory of God. And they lived in fellowship with one another. God has made us for that, right? We've been made to live in fellowship with him in disciple-making communities as we walk in his will, right? This word fellowship, koinonia, this word that in the Greek gives us this picture like we are to share life together. We are to share life with one another in a way that causes us individually and corporately to grow in the likeness of who Jesus is, that we might be conformed to his image, that we might experience spiritual growth because of it. That's what we've been called to do. So congratulations. We are a family. Like y'all are my brothers and sisters, right? Y'all like we're a family. And as a family, right, we, we, we walk together, and there are things that we cannot accomplish on our own. We need each other. And so our minds have to be renewed. We have to see church differently. It can't be that church somehow is defined as a place where you come on Sunday morning, but it is who you are. And instead of checking a box and thinking that, hey, we're, we're killing this thing because we showed up and we went to this thing and we read this scripture and we did that, we, we, we have to shift our way of thinking to where instead of, of, of just activity... Right, that we understand that what God wants to do in our lives is transformation. You know, we said a few weeks ago that we want to shift this mindset from in, in worship, from spectator to participant. Amen. I mean, we're, we're congratulations. Y'all know this already, but y'all are part of the band. All of you, right? And I'm so grateful for that. I'm thankful. For, for those people that God has gifted to lead us and, and to be in those places. But, but all they can do is point us to Jesus, right? And we, we look to Jesus and we worship him, right? That's what we do because the most beautiful sound is not the sound of the guitar or the drum, but it is the sound of the collective body of Christ Amen. worshiping and lifting high his name. And the reason we do it is because of all he has done for us, right? And it is our reasonable response Right, a reasonable response is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. A reasonable response is to lift high his name, right? Because he alone is worthy. So there's this humble community, right? And, and, and when we think about that, there's this, this 
this shift in our mindset from isolation to where you think, you know what, I can do this on my own to this reality of this need for community. You know, when I went to physical therapy, I, I was struggling to get back going. And one thing I figured out pretty quickly is I saw a bunch of y'all there. Like there were other people that were there getting some help. Maybe y'all were doing something silly like I did, right? And this was not too long uh, after I launched through the trampoline net and landed on this shoulder. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I mean, you know, self-assessment would know not to do some of these things, but it didn't work. But when I got there, right, I got in this physical therapy. Now, the first day that I went there, I kind of thought, like, I'm going to walk in. And I, and, and I already, like, in my mind, I was like, I know exactly what I need, probably surgery. But what I, what I went in, I was like, okay, uh, so my, my shoulder's hurting here, and it's doing this and doing that. And the guy that was doing the physical therapy said, okay, we're going to come in this other little room. And we went over there, and he had this uh, little device that he would put uh, my hand up against, and it would measure strength, and I had to press up. Then I had to press down. Then I had to press back. Then I had to press forward. Then I had to like rotate here, rotate there. And, and what he did in those moments, right, he evaluated where I was at. And, and as I did those things, he said, well, your arm and, and your shoulder is very strong in this direction, but you're very weak here. And so what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to take these areas where you're weak and we're going to need to work on those and we're going to need to strengthen them. And as you strengthen them, what you're going to find is that your shoulder is going to gain strength and you're going to do that. And then, like, I, I'm next door. Like, Dawn Trammell's, like, racing me on a hand bike, man. And she was, like, smoking me on that thing, right? And I'm, like, the physical therapy guy's kind of making fun of me, bragging on her. I'm, like, where? Come on now. But, but here was this community, right? And here was this thing where I was coming in. He was giving me these instructions. And, and all of a sudden, uh, in just a short time, right, I was gaining. And I was able to do uh, a lot of things at home. I was able to do a lot of things to supplement those things. But, but there was this wonderful thing that happened. And here's what I realized in those moments, right, that we need one another. We don't need that strap anymore. But we need, right, we need one another. And, you know, the reality check is that when we gather today, some of us think, man, there's enough self-help books out there. I can do this thing on my own. But the reality is that we need one another. We've been reconciled with God. Thank you, Stan. You reminded me how much I needed you right there. That was awesome. But we've been, we've been reconciled with God. We've made, been made right with him, and we've been made right with one another. And then we've been placed in this community together. Verse 3, we're going to land uh, here. Scripture says this, verse 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And so in this verse, the Apostle Paul uses in the original language the same word uh, in a few different ways to talk about our thinking where we don't think hyper of ourselves, where we're not thinking more highly of ourselves than we should because pride comes right before a fall, right? So when we think about the way God has assembled us, we don't look at somebody that has gifts to play a guitar and go, hey, uh, you know, I could never do anything because that person, and if you can play a guitar, you like recognize, hey, this is a gift of God's grace. And it's not something that, that, that I'm better than anyone else is. It's nothing uh, that's there. And so he says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But then he also says, you're, you're to have sound judgment. You're to think of yourself properly, right? And recognizing who we are in Christ and that God, in the power of his spirit, that he has given us grace gifts that he would, that he would desire that all of us would use. And so the question is, where are we at in the process, right? Where are we? We need to think accurately about who we are 
in Christ. And so we, uh, earlier this year, if you've, if you've just joined us in the last few months, earlier this year we introduced this thought of, of a dream disciple. And we said, what would it look like if we as a faith family, if every one of us, if every person that worships here could be described in this way. And we looked at the character traits and the competencies of Jesus. We looked at this call that we have to equip people uh, to live the life of a Jesus follower, to, to empower generations, to love God, to love people, and to put that love in action. We said, what does it look like to be a Jesus follower? What's a compelling, what's something that we could remember? What's something that we could measure in those moments? And we said this, that, that there was this thought of us being a daily abiding, regularly sharing, intentionally discipling, force for good in our community. And what would it look like if the people of God that gathered here were people who were daily abiding in Christ, who were opening his word and being shaped by Christ, who, who were living their life as an overflow of time with the Father. See, Jesus, he did relationships with three people, right? With his father, with his disciples, and with those that did not know Jesus at all. And, and the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. What if we lived in an overflow of that? What if we were regularly sharing where we gathered with other believers and we shared what we were learning from the Word of God? What if every believer embraced that call that, that we might have? What if we were regularly sharing with those outside of our faith family and sharing the good news of the gospel, right? We understand faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What if we were doing those things? What if we uh, took those things that we learned and we began to invest in people in our communities and in our lives that we could intentionally disciple, that we could encourage, that we could equip, right? And what if where God has placed you, where you live, where you work, where your hobbies are, where you play, all those places that you, that those places, right, were different because your piece of the puzzle fits in a whole different place. God has uniquely gifted you. He's uniquely wired you. He's uniquely placed you. But what if every believer, what if every believer was living their life as a force for good, a force for kingdom good, wherever they were at, and the workplaces that you were at, and the sports teams that you played on, and the locker rooms that you were at, and the break rooms that you gathered were better because Jesus was seen in those places as the hands and feet of Christ went out on mission for the glory of his name. What would it look like? So we want to ask you, right? You'll, you'll see uh, the, those cards around the church, the, the dream disciple, this thought of like, what does it look like? To do that, you'll see some questions on the back that, that help us to evaluate where we're at. So one of them for, for daily abiding is just simply this. What scripture is currently shaping you? And for today, while we gather right here, I just want to ask everybody that question. What scripture is currently shaping you? And this should be a conversation that we have. Like, like when we gather with other folks from here, we, we could ask this question. Like, what scripture is currently shaping you right now? And, and here's the thing. If you can't answer that then you've just done a little assessment of what a next step in your life should be. If you would answer the question, what has your time, attention, and thoughts currently? And when you answer that question, it's an identifier, right? And here's what we want to do. We want to recognize where we are. And, and here's the thing about thinking rightly about ourselves. If I can answer that right now, this specific scripture is shaping my life, then I don't have an, an arrogant kind of thought because I'm doing this and I've got this figured out. What I understand is it's by the grace of God uh, that I'm there. And it's by the grace of God that he is working in this way in my life. And if I'm not there, like when I read this and I say, okay, and, and so often moments like this reveal and I'm like, okay, I'm not where I need to be. When those kind of things happen, when I'm getting it, I say, okay, it's by the grace of God that I'm here. And when I'm not getting it, I understand that by the grace of God, I can 
by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I don't have to stay that way. See, see that's what an assessment does. We look at it. We, we looked at all my different things right in my arm, and then we made a plan, and we said, hey, we're going to live different. And we have got to be intentional in, in, in this calling that we, would be, that we would live transformed lives. So we respond with humility, with gratitude. We, we reject this thought that we could do it on our own, that we would be self-sufficient on our own, that we could handle all these things in our own. And we would say, you know what? It is through God's grace that we are saved. It is by his grace that we are empowered to grow as believers in Christ. And we come with open hands. We say, God, we, we submit ourselves to you in light of all that you've done for us. We come with open hands. We come desiring to be used. Next week, we're going to look at how the body fits together and the beautiful picture that is displayed when God's people embrace this call, when we walk together and understand that God desires to use every one of us. And our response today is to just take a step, whatever that step is, right? Whatever, whatever that step, just to look at our lives, just a sober self-assessment, just to say, here's where I'm at. And I know where I need to be. I know where I need to move. I know the direction that I want to go. And we want to take a step in that direction. And so maybe you're here this morning and you recognize, hey, I need to abide in Christ. I need to daily live in that. that that's your step, right? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're not abiding in his word and in prayer with him daily, that is your next step. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've surrendered your life to Christ and you've never been biblically baptized, your next step Right, is to say, I'm going to, be, I'm going to go public with my faith. I'm going to declare the, the, the truth. I'm going to confess him as Lord publicly uh, and, and just take that next step of obedience in following Christ. And if you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never been born again into the family of God, in Acts 2, verse 38, we read that uh, really the next step in what we do with that, verse 37 uh, kind of leads into that moment and what we see is Peter's shared this first sermon, and he's declared the work of Christ on the cross, and you know the the fact that Jesus had died a sinner's death. And when we hear the good news of the gospel that Jesus died on that cross, and we recognize that when Jesus died on that cross, that it was in my place, that what Jesus did on that cross, that it was for me. And we look to the cross, and we we, we recognize that there's no other way that I couldn't be good enough, that I couldn't earn my way into a right relationship with God, but it is only through the work of the cross. We see these in Acts chapter 2 in this very first sermon that they hear the gospel, they, they, they hear the good news of what Christ has done, and the Bible says in verse 37 that they were pierced to the heart that there was a work of the Holy Spirit that was working in their life, convicting them of sin, and they were pierced to the heart, and it caused them to ask a question. Maybe some of you this morning, maybe the Spirit of God is convicting your heart, and you understand that apart from a relationship with Jesus, that there is no other way, that, that on your own you are doomed and, and, and without hope, and, and you would understand that what is it that we do? Verse 37 said, brethren, what do we do? And then Peter looks at them, and he says, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that will empower you and enable you to live with purpose and to be transformed by, by our great God. They heard the word. Verse 41 said, those that received the word, those that had responded to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they'd received the word and believed. The scripture says then they were baptized. It was not baptism that saved them, but they received the word. And then the natural step was to walk in obedience 
to Christ. And so this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus, then your response to the gospel is simply surrender, to call on his name, to confess your sin and your need for a Savior, to recognize that there's no other way, and to believe and trust in what he's done on the cross is the only way you could be saved. And in those moments when you call on his name, the scripture says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved. And you can call on Jesus this morning and surrender your life to him. He'll forgive you of your sin and make you right with God. Give you the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct. And you become part of a family where God desires to use your unique gifting in your, your life in a way that builds up this body together and is sent out on mission for the glory of his name. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to worship. Our response to what God has done in our lives is worship. And Lord, we come so grateful. God, that while we fall short, God, we recognize that there's none of us, Lord, that are righteous on our own. But that, God, through faith and the finished work of the cross, that we can be made right with you. And, God, your word would tell us in Romans that it was your mercy. God, we deserved death and punishment and hell. And, God, we received mercy. You didn't give us what we deserved. But, Lord, we read that you extended grace. And you gave us what we didn't deserve. The ability to be in a right relationship with you. To be forgiven and to be a part of your family. Join hairs with Jesus. And God, in light of that, we worship you with all that we are. Lord, we pray, God, that every person in this room, God, that we would take a next step, God, toward growing in your grace and your mercy. And God, if there's anyone here that's never trusted you, that today would be the day of surrender in their lives. God, may we bow before you in, in worship and in adoration, Lord, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand in worship uh, together this morning?